0: during this easter season we have been reading all of the resurrection appearances of jesus from the gospels and today we are finally moving beyond easter sunday there were at least five times on that first easter sunday when the risen christ revealed himself alive to the group of women at the tomb to mary magdalene alone at the tomb to simon peter somewhere by himself to cleophas and his friend on their way to Emmaus and then to the disciples gathered in a room behind locked doors that evening. On that first day of resurrection, Jesus presented himself alive to just about all of his closest followers, except Thomas. Thomas, for some unknown reason, was not in the room when Jesus came and stood among all of the other disciples. Our scripture for today jumps us ahead one week. All of the other disciples are talking about The amazing fact that Jesus is alive, that he has risen from the grave, that he has defeated death, that God has vindicated all of his teachings. Not Thomas. Thomas was not about to take their word for it. Thomas wanted to see Jesus with his own eyes. He wanted to touch Jesus with his own hands to feel the holes where the nails had gone through. Now, on the one hand, I can relate to Thomas. I'm the same way. If someone tells me something that doesn't sound quite right, I'm not inclined to take their word for it. I want to see for myself. On the other hand, I would never ask to put my hand into the hole in Jesus' side. I am far too squeamish for that. (laughs) There's a famous painting of Doubting Thomas by the artist Caravaggio, and in the painting, the other disciples are gathered around while Jesus guides Thomas's pointing finger into the hole in his side. I was at a church once where the pastor had that painting projected on the screen while he preached, and I was creeped out through the whole sermon. (laughs) I, I, I looked up that painting online this week to find the artist's name, and I was squirming in my chair for the next half hour. No, I would definitely not be saying I want to put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side. But I probably would have said, I won't believe it until I see him for myself. In fact, that is what I did say for several years as a teenager I don't believe it. I won't believe it. And like Thomas, I didn't believe it until Jesus showed himself alive to me personally wasn't his physical presence, but it, he, he, and he didn't invite me to, to touch the hole in his side. thank God. <laughs> but he did reveal himself to me, and without that, I'm not sure that I ever would have come to believe in the truth of the resurrection. So I can't be too hard on Thomas for his doubts. None of the other disciples should be hard on Thomas for his doubts either. They had all required the same proof as him. The only difference is that they got it a week sooner. The other disciples, they had disbelieved the testimony of the women who had already seen Jesus the exact same way that Thomas disbelieved their testimony. When Jesus revealed himself to the other disciples the Sunday before, he said to them, look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself. Touch and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus had given all of them the exact same proof that Thomas was asking for. And without that, none of them would have come to believe. So Thomas really isn't any different from the other disciples in terms of faith. He just got there a little bit later than the rest. Here is how Thomas is different from the other disciples. And this is to his credit rather than a criticism. When all of the other disciples... Believed something that he simply could not believe. Still, he came back. He came back. He was with them a week later. I have to imagine Thomas must have felt like the odd man out. For an entire week, all of the rest of the gang is going on about how Jesus is alive and how everything has changed and all has been made new. Thomas wasn't feeling any of that. He could not relate to what they were saying and believing. That must have been a very lonely and difficult time for him. When all the other disciples were saying, there was was something wrong with him because he didn't believe the way that they did. It would have been very easy for him to decide, this isn't my tribe anymore. There are plenty of other people who would have absented themselves from that room the next Sunday, given up on the disciple of Jesus nonsense, found another group of friends to hang out with. But not Thomas, not Thomas. Thomas stayed with the group. Thomas kept coming back. Why? I don't know the answer exactly. Obviously there was something about their fellowship that continued to bind them together despite the the different places that they were in their faith at that moment. Clearly he sensed that this was still his community, these were still his people. And there's no reason to think that the other disciples saw it any differently than that. There's no indication in the Bible that they were picking on him or judging him in any way. No suggestion that they treated him any bit differently than they always had before. They continued to welcome him into their community. When they gathered again a week later in a private room behind shut doors, Thomas was there. He belonged there. He was welcomed there. They didn't try to keep him out. They didn't say this is a private meeting, believers only. Thomas was still part of the group. Perhaps this says something to us about how we ought to deal with one another when there are differences in our faith. I mean, if Thomas could be open and honest about his doubts... And not just doubts, downright disbelief. I will not believe, he said. If he could be forthright about that and still be welcomed in that room, what does that say about us? And because he was still welcomed in that room, because he continued to come back and remained a part of that community, even when he was the odd man out, because of that, He was there when Jesus showed up again. That is perhaps the most important thing of all, being there when Jesus shows up. Thomas was in the very place he needed to be to see exactly what he needed to see. Because Thomas stuck with the community of faith, he too, in time, became a witness to the resurrection. He could very easily have excluded himself or been excluded before that next Sunday. But then he would have missed out on the very revelation he needed in order to come to faith. We could all very easily exclude ourselves from the faith community for any number of reasons. I I could give you a whole list of things that are wrong with every church I've ever been in. (laughs) But what revelations of Jesus might we miss out on if we did that? Thomas didn't fall into that trap. We shouldn't either. This One Faith Sunday that we're having today comes on kind of a special day for me. I don't know if you know this, but today is the last day of my first quarter as your pastor. As of today, I have completed three months here. And they said it wouldn't last. (laughs) It's been a, a wonderful and a blessed time. It's also been a challenge. I knew it would be challenging. I was informed of that from the beginning before I even got here. In some of my first conversations with folks from this church, I was told about a number of people who had already left And many others who were still trying to decide whether they were going to stay or go. There were many people who had a wait and see mentality. I'm going to wait and see what happens. See how things go, then I'll decide. There are still some who are still waiting to see. I I get that, that's natural. It, It makes sense given what this church has recently been through. It'd be easy for someone to say, oh, it's going to be great, you just have to believe. But we've all been in situations before when we were told that and then things didn't turn out so great. Could this congregation really weather the storm of dissension that had battered it so badly just months ago? Could it survive the loss of so many longtime members who took their large financial gifts and their numerous volunteer hours with them? Would it remain faithful to the teachings of the Bible and the doctrines of our Wesleyan heritage? Could people from different perspectives and varying convictions really worship in harmony and study in harmony and serve side by side? We'll just have to wait and see. Well, I know that three months is not a very long time, but perhaps it's long enough for us to Take a look around and ask ourselves what it is that we see let me tell you a little bit about what i see when i look around this church i see people who have been at odds with one another who have had heated debates with one another Who perhaps still don't see eye to eye, maybe never will, but when I see those people put those differences aside and come into the same space to confess the same faith and to worship the same God and commit themselves to the same church, I see the risen Jesus. When a diverse people who might have nothing else in common can lift their voices in harmony and praise, I see Christ there. Among them, When I see a church open its doors and its hearts every single Tuesday evening to people from the community who have struggles different from our own, some of them with struggles that we couldn't begin to imagine. And the church gathers around them, not just to serve them and certainly not to take pity on them, but to sit down with them and break bread together and talk with one another, and pray for one another, and develop relationships that last and that make a difference in people's lives. I see the risen Christ. When I see dedicated and gifted staff, who give of themselves week after week, day after day, well beyond what any of them gets paid for, because they're not in it for the money. It's about their heart for this church and these people and their passion to make Jesus known in this place. I see the risen Jesus. When I see committed volunteers step up time and time again, asking, what can I do? How can I serve? When I see church committees take extra time to talk about things that aren't even on their agenda because they're just so excited about what they're doing and they want to do more, I see the risen Jesus. When I see dozens and dozens of children come to a big Bible event and have fun together learning about the Bible and receiving Christian love from a group of adults who could have been doing any number of other things that day, but put everything else aside so that those children could experience the love of the church and receive the word of God, I see the risen Christ. When I see 50 young ladies brought to this church by their fathers to spend the evening dancing within the community of faith, I see the risen Christ. When I see this sanctuary filled with people who usually worship at different times and in different spaces and in different styles all coming together to worship in harmony and show our unity as a church, I see the risen Christ. When I see people enthused once again to invite others to church, neighbors, coworkers, family, friends, not because they need their vote, But because they're excited to share the faith and the spirit that they find in this place with people that they love, I see the risen Jesus. Do you see him? When I see people stepping up their giving, giving beyond their pledge, giving beyond the tithe because they believe in the ministry being done in this place and they want it to continue, not just for them, but for others and for future generations yet unborn, I see the risen Christ. When I see a young lady who's only been here for a couple of months have the courage to stand up here in front of the entire church on one Faith Sunday and confess her faith in Jesus and commit her life to Christ and receive the waters of baptism, I see the risen Jesus. I don't know if you've looked around this place lately, but the risen Jesus is all around here. Have you seen him? That's not a rhetorical question. Have you seen him? Yes. I understand needing to wait and see. I understand wanting to see for yourself. I, I, under, I completely understand why Thomas said what he said, why he demanded what he demanded. I understand why all of the other disciples needed the same thing. I understand why we need it, too. Why we want to see for ourselves. But at some point, if you're not seeing Jesus, you're just being obstinate. (laughs) Thomas had a choice. I mean... After Jesus showed up, he had a choice. Before Jesus showed up, he had a choice, too. Either he could take the word of his friends, or he could hold out and see for himself. The word of his friends was, just wasn't enough. It sounded too outrageous, too ridiculous, too incredible. It was something that he couldn't believe just on their word. He needed to see it for himself. But once Jesus showed up, once Jesus showed up, he still had a choice. Either he could believe what his own eyes were telling him or fall back on his previous obstinacy, refuse to believe despite what his eyes had seen because it didn't fit with everything that he had been told up to that point in his life. Thomas chose to believe. In response to that, Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, in a way, that statement is geared towards us. We are those who have not seen the risen Jesus physically the way Thomas did. We have not been allowed to touch the wounds in his body. Again, thank God. But we don't have to just take the disciples' word for it. We don't just have to take our grandparents' word for it. You don't have to just take the preacher's word for it. I don't just have to take the bishop's word for it. We are much more like Thomas than we may realize. Like Thomas, we don't have to take anyone else's word for it. We are not being asked to believe without seeing because if we will just open our eyes, we can see Jesus all around us. The risen Christ has presented himself Alive to us in this place, in our day. He has shown up time and time again. And he is here now. Have you seen him? Take a look around this room. Take a look around this room and see for yourself, amen.